Welcome back to another episode of the Demand Efficiency Podcast with me, your host, Eli Rubel, formerly Elias, but hey, names are hard. This is the show where we unpack and benchmark the methods and tactics used to reduce CAC by the most efficient and fastest growing companies in tech. Frequent listeners will know demand efficiency is a leading indicator and North Star metric for teams focused on reducing CAC. And in each episode, we'll evaluate how the best companies in the industry are driving down their cost to acquire while still achieving remarkable growth. And we're back for another episode of the Demand Efficiency Podcast. Today, we have Prachi Gore. She is the CMO over at Checker. And this episode is great. We dig into a category that, you know, Prachi and her team over at Checker really do an exceptional job with, which is lifecycle marketing. So within the demand efficiency framework, call it middle of funnel, call it customer focus. This can kind of span a couple of different disciplines, but we're talking today all about lifecycle marketing and even more specifically drilling into experimentation frameworks within lifecycle. So Checker is this interesting company in that, you know, the scale that they are at today, obviously already quite scaled. And because of that, they have both product led motion, sales assist and sales led motions. And so that gives marketers a, a lot to work with when it comes to lifecycle marketing. There are you know, all sorts of triggers and automations within the product that can drive sequences, nurtures. And I, I really like when, when you, you hear our conversation with Prachi, she approaches this from a place of customer focus as opposed to the more technical side of, okay, we, you know, of course we need nurtures for all of these different goals, but then really thinking through how, through the lens of the customer to accomplish those goals. And then within that, a weekly discipline of experimentation and testing and baking that into the DNA of her marketing teams. At earlier stage companies, lifecycle marketing typically is seen as a way to grease the skids to help a lead move more quickly into sales readiness. But obviously there's a lot more to lifecycle marketing and a lot more opportunity for companies who have the time and bandwidth and level of sophistication to really leverage this middle of funnel space to drive all sorts of outcomes. And you'll hear more about that in our conversation. So with that, let's cut to the case and dig in with Prachi Gore. So Prachi, I'm really excited to dig in. I mean, you guys scored really, really well just across the entire demand efficiency framework. So it was tricky to focus and choose one particular topic to highlight because there are so many options here. But I think one space that you guys do exceptionally well in that a lot of companies tend to, they check the box, but they don't go to the level of sophistication that you have taken your teams is around lifecycle marketing. Let's just start really high, high level and, and walk us through how you think about lifecycle marketing as a driver for growth at Checker. 
Yeah. And maybe I'll take a step back, Eli, here, because Checker has a sales-led motion, but we also have a pretty significant product-led motion, uh, which is self-service for all. And so we kind of cast a really broad, wide net, and we bring in everyone. We have like a first free background check. So we get lots of people coming in. And then the onus really is on how do you take these people on the customer journey, you know, and help them grow and scale and love your product and become advocates. And so for us, especially as we went deeper and deeper into kind of that PLG motion, lifecycle marketing is kind of the, you know, the most important, I think, element of how you drive that programmatically at scale. And so that's when we dipped our toes into lifecycle marketing, I want to say about a year ago at this point, or maybe a little bit more. And there is two aspects to lifecycle marketing. One is tremendous focus on customer and customer value. I think sometimes people forget that, you know, in demand gen, it's all about like your tactics, your mechanics, your data. Like, But I think there is a lot of infrastructure work in lifecycle marketing that has to happen both on the systems data process side, but also on just knowing your customer better and understanding what they care about and what value drivers for them are. And so that's where we began our journey in lifecycle marketing. Thank you for saying we're sophisticated. I think we are just dipping our toes. <laughs> we have a long way to go. Our vision is definitely sophistication and scale, but it's an area that we've invested in and growing really quickly with the checker. So, I mean, if you if you rolled Lifecycle a little over a year ago, Checker was already a, a fairly sizable business, you could yeah, say, at are. that point. Yeah. So I, I would imagine turning that, pulling that lever, turning that light switch on Lifecycle marketing must have had a pretty immediate, massive impact from a metrics perspective. Can you talk us through some of that? Yeah, I did. I think our goal, so the first many months of Lifecycle marketing was just us experimenting on what metrics is this going to drive for the business. Of course, you want to drive upsell revenue, growth, higher attach rate. You want to drive retention, churn prevention, all of the things. Ultimately, we focused our programs on attach, product attach primarily, and how much can we drive that with our customer base through lifecycle marketing. And so primary metrics were that for the for the first year and phase. And then revenue is a byproduct of that if you're selling the right products and your products are driving value. So both of those were kind of the top level metrics that we were trying to go at with our with lifecycle marketing programs. And then a lot of the tactics for driving that was value-based education and engagement, essentially, as well as in-app messaging, marketing, that type of stuff. So metrics, I would say, were attached, product attach and revenue, upsell revenue. Today's episode is brought to you by No Boring Design. Wow, what a name. No, we know this team well. We've brought them in to help with a number of engagements when design becomes a bottleneck for shipping campaigns quickly. Uh, also, when design is boring, right? A lot of B2B status quo becomes boring and it doesn't have to be. So we bring this team in, they level up the quality design and they remove design as a bottleneck to ship campaigns, content, product marketing assets, you name it. If it needs a design and you're hung up on it, this team can help. Um, somehow they managed to do this. I think their price point starting out as 2,500 a month. Uh, obviously goes up from there, but what a great resource. We've seen them firsthand do great work with Dropbox, Yelp, a number of our big clients they've been a part of. So check them out, noboringdesign.com, noboringdesign.com. 
Well, one of the things that I know from, from the answers in, in the demand efficiency framework that you gave us, you guys are really strong when it comes to experimentation. So how do you think about experimentation? And then how is that realized through this lifecycle initiative that you've successfully launched? Yeah, I think, you know, that the, or just the sophistication of technology that we use today gives us so much more to do with experimentation and placing good bets versus, you know, I've, in the second decade of my career. So two decades ago, when I started my marketing career, we didn't have any of this. From an experimentation standpoint, it's a lot of A-B testing on templates, design elements, as well as messaging. That's where we've spent the lion's share of our time to say what's working, what's not. And then the other experimentation bucket that we've really explored heavily, both on the lifecycle marketing, but also just overall on our demand programs is channel mix or the tactics that we go after. Like we've, you know, all the way from out of home and podcast advertising to, of course, SEM landing pages and, and the more, you know, routine website personalization, things like that, that you'd expect. So it's a pretty broad spectrum of the types of experiments we've run, what we've learned. How have you baked that into the DNA of your teams? Because I think that that's something that some companies struggle to really, you know, get that just part of their core DNA is this mindset of experimentation and really building that muscle. So how have you done that? Yeah, it takes a while. It takes a little bit. I think you have to get into that. It needs to, it becomes habit at one point, but you need to get the team there. I think one is affording them the time. So, you know, we, when we draft out our goals, when we draft out our plans, we do try and identify early in the year, like what are going to be our experiment buckets? Where are we going to put energy and time doing this? Uh, so the team already has that somewhat in their plans, even if not down to the, this is the AB test level. Like we know these are the areas we want to test. And then I think the other area is like in most of our programs now, we are like, you know, let's do a few tests and then then get to hundred percent. So like we start with like sample groups, we start with, you know, small pilots, and then we go into like full 100% launch mode. And that's just become like our operating plan or is part of our operating plan on any new program now. So it kind of becomes part of your system, but it takes a little bit. And then, you know, early on, like just showcasing the wins from the teams that are doing it within marketing. I think that's hugely important because it, it inspires other people to think differently about their programs. So I, I think all of those things. And, and the last thing I will say on that is like, if you do it when you don't have easy access to data for these teams, it won't work. So I think your infrastructure and framework on like data and measurement and, and ease of you, ease of use of that data for the teams that are doing experimentation is critical. I think most people know this by now, but some every once in a while you just ignore that and you go right into the experimentation and then it doesn't work or it doesn't become a habit. As far as the, you know, you've talked a lot about platform and data being critical, obviously. How have you set yourself up for success and your orgs up for success that made it possible to do this rollout and life cycle? Like what does that stack look like for you? Yeah, we, we are consolidating our stack, uh, not just across marketing, but now even across marketing and product for some of these things like A-B testing across the funnel. You know, we, we use our own tool, product might want to use. So like now we are consolidating. When we got started, we really let our individual functional teams like pick the software they wanted to use, whatever was going to make it easiest and most convenient. And then we use Looker, which consolidates all the data from the different systems. We have a really strong data scientist that supports marketing. And so she's fantastic. And so she helps, she helps out with all of like the testing, the benchmarking, what's, you know, statistically significant, what's not. So she'll, she'll write, help write out a lot of those tests for us too. But we've kind of let our teams 
use the tools that we thought they needed or they thought they needed. And now we are getting to a point of scale where we are consolidating many of these to say like, okay, if we have like a VW and a one more, like if we do we need four tools, like let's just land on one that everyone can use more documentation of these tests. So we aren't like recreating the wheel. So like we are just getting more sophisticated with our experimentation framework and, and methods. But when we started, we really encouraged teams to kind of own it and let them pick their tools as long as it wasn't like something super expensive that, you know, but they, they pick their own tools. They ran their own tests with the support of our analytics team. Amazing. How do you institutionalize the learnings, right? You have all these hypotheses. I'm curious how you take those learnings and share them with, you know, outside of the teams that ran the tests themselves. And Yeah. So I think that's the part which I was saying we are not where we want to be yet. I think the most basic initially was like, share it in the Slack channel, put it in Confluence, right? Like just kind of start putting it in places where we typically see and hear, share it in team marketing, team meetings and all hands. But I think we are discussing as a team, like what is a better way to like knowledge share? Because we don't want, you know, like if DG has run like these A-B tests and like knows these things, we don't want customer lifecycle marketing to kind of do similar tests. So, you know, like we just want everyone to know what we've learned. And I don't think we are there yet from a sophistication standpoint on knowledge share. I wish I had better answer for you there, but I think even just like the early Slack shares and like putting it up in Confluence, just like you know, in a, like we know, like known tests or known known results place was good, but I do think we are trying to figure out what is like the next, you know, next frontier for us to kind of do the knowledge sharing better and and keep it such that it's searchable. It's like you know, it's not lost in documentation land. I don't have an answer for you there, but if you have one, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Zooming out even further, I mean, again, you scored highly within the framework. I'm curious what green space or areas of opportunity excite you for this upcoming year? So I started my marketing career in consumer marketing. And so this is a borrowed tactic from that world, but, and I've used it in the past, just not at Chakra yet, is influencer marketing. I, it's really worked for me in the past. People don't think about it typically in the B2B space, definitely not as a demand tactic, but it can be, it is. And so if done right and if done authentically. So that is something that we want to try out this coming here at Chakar and I'm really excited about it. I've, I've implemented this program before and feel passionately about it. And I think there's a really good authentic way to do it. So that's definitely one. I think the other area that I'm super excited about is working with you know, tying kind of all of the real-time product data and and triggers and just kind of taking our lifecycle programs to the next level. I think there's just so much opportunity for the team there. The team's excited. We have some really strong people and and growing growing the team. So those two definitely excite me. And then lots of like we've gotten in our SEM programs, we've gotten to a point where now, you know, we are sharing audience data back into our SEM platform and like really doing targeting better. So there's just like so much opportunity for us to optimize, optimize all of that. So lots of like cool things, user gems, like our team's piloting so many really cool things, but Greenfield, I would say is influencer marketing. We haven't done it yet at Chakar and I'm really excited about that. So there you have it. Lifecycle marketing, customer focus, experimentation. We covered a lot of ground in this conversation and certainly a lot of food for thought for the listeners out there who are either developing their programs for the first time or thinking about bringing an added level of sophistication to any one of those categories. Normally, as you know, we discuss, okay, well, if, if 
Prachi was talking about a product-led specific program. How would we apply this for a sales-led program? But in this case, because of their existing scale, Prachi was actually speaking through the lens of product-led sales assist and sales-led because they have all of those motions. So I don't actually think there's really much to translate here for you. She already did that wonderfully during our conversation. So we'll see you next time for another episode of Demand Efficiency Podcast. As always, if you're interested to see how today's company scored on the Demand Efficiency Index, or for that matter, to see all of the companies in the Demand Efficiency Index by industry, selling motion, and size, you can join our free Slack community. Uh, there you will be able to interact with every guest who's been on the show and even take the evaluation yourself and see how your company stacks up against prior guests. To join the Slack community, head over to mattermade.co forward slash pod, where you'll see all of the relevant links to join. Again, that's mattermade.co forward slash pod. Hold up. 